for the News and Observer. I'm Dawn Vaughn, your host for this episode of Under the Dome for the week of Monday, June 5th, 2023. I'm here today with our Washington, D.C. reporter, Danielle Battaglia. North Carolina politicians managed to be the center of attention in the state capitol or the nation's capital, and the drama in Congress this week was no no different. So we'll talk about state politics toward the end, but, but let's talk about the federal government and why North Carolinians in D.C. Um, always are getting the attention. So, Danielle, tell us the quick, um, what is the debt ceiling again, and why is <laughs> North Carolina so important to it? So the debt, well, that's that's a convoluted mess to untangle. The debt ceiling is uh, basically a self-imposed cap on spending, not self-imposed by us, but by Congress. Um, so it's the cap on spending that we can, we're basically not paying our bills like normal people, or maybe we are. So we are essentially, as an economist put it to me, we're paying our bills as if we're using a credit card for everything and just charging it up. And um, there's so much that we allow ourselves to spend outside of what we have. And there's a limit to that, um, which is I want to say 34.1 million, but I've been up for two days straight and I'm not positive, not million, sorry, trillion. Um, so that number might be slightly off, but it's around that. And um, that is the limit of what we can spend. So today is a very important day if you're listening on Monday, because today is the last day that America can pay its debts or we would breach the debt ceiling, which would cause catastrophic economical impact both on the national level, but internationally as well. So uh, President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy have been negotiating for weeks now to figure out what both the Democrats and the Republicans would feel comfortable with having in a bill to pass to raise the debt ceiling, which actually isn't what we ended up doing. We ended up extending the debt ceiling through January 1st, 2025, um, while also curbing some of our spending which republicans wanted so there's been negotiations going back and forth and speaker mccarthy brought in representative patrick mchenry of north carolina um he's from denver north carolina formerly known as dry ponds <laughs> and uh a little fun fact for you because i know you love him um and he uh he's been one of the lead negotiators in getting a bill together with the president and with house speaker kevin mccarthy and also representing garrett graves who's a republican from louisiana how did mchenry get to why is why is he so important and he's been like i feel like a lot higher on everyone's radar this year he is i've talked about this a lot in the last well year and a half i've been covering congress he is probably the most important North Carolinian that you never hear about. Um, and I think he likes it that way. I think there's a lot of planning that's gone in with his own staff to make sure that he stays kind of under the radar. He's also part of a weird part of the state where there's not a lot of coverage. He's in between our two papers and we're the two largest papers, the so Charlotte Observer News and Observer. He's in between those two because he's in the like uh, Lincoln County area. And it's kind of almost a news desert out there. So there's not a lot of coverage of him, period. But also, he's just kind of, he started as a fiery politician um, and was told to tamper it down. And um, unlike other re representatives we've had, like Mark Meadows or Madison Cawthorn, he actually learned from it. He tampered it down and decided to really focus on one topic that he could be successful in. And he is really nerdy about finance. 
So um, that played really well for him right now. He is the chair of the House Finance Committee. And who better to tap than the chair of the House Finance Committee to deal with economic issues? But really, I think it has more to do with this is somebody who's been close with uh, House Speaker McCarthy and he trusts uh, McHenry. I get their names confused so much when I'm talking about both of them at the same time. He trusts McHenry to help guide him in situations like this. We saw it when he was trying to get the speakership. He was one of the, McHenry was one of the whips trying to lead that battle. And so he tapped him again to help in this situation. And they've just had a long friendship going back through their years in Congress. So we're seeing that play out now. What has it been like this? Uh, of course, people are listening Monday. We're recording this on Friday. Danielle has had a, a really long work week. That's <laughs> everyone else uh, up on Capitol Hill, right? So um, what's it been like in the halls there? I saw some of your uh, photos, video of, of, of what that's like with how how national this is, but also how yeah. local it is for us anyway. Right? It's always interesting, um, especially being a regional reporter. So like... You have to picture what you see on the state level when you're in the Capitol, but like on acid, which is probably not the PC way to say that. But like there are hundreds of reporters covering a single issue and uh, poor Representative McHenry wants to give me the time of day, but he is being hounded by so many national reporters. So like I walk up to him and be like, how does this impact North Carolina? And he's like, I'm sorry, Danielle, like I've got Politico, I've got Washington Post, I've got New York Times. They also have questions and they're more like broad and wide scale where yours is more minute. And so, you know, I try to talk to him and you just get like, like mobbed by hundreds on hundreds of reporters. I think you can see that on some of the videos I posted on Twitter, like McCarthy walks out of his office and it's just this huge mob of reporters following him from his office to the chamber. Um, I know he has been hit more than once by recorders in the back of his head because we're just so packed together. It's how I got COVID in January was all the reporters being packed together. Um, so it's it's a little chaotic in situations like this. And it's really interesting to cover it on the regional level when it's a national issue that's going on. Well, if McHenry is too busy to explain it, you tell us why. <laughs> how does this impact North Carolina? Well, it's going to impact North Carolina in a lot of ways. Um, had we not, had we breached the debt ceiling, is probably a better way to say it, um, we would have looked at huge job losses. We would have looked at, um, there's a lot that could have happened. Our government officials would have lost their paychecks. Um, that probably would have been first. We would have had issues with Social Security payments, um, Medicaid payments, Medicare payments. And the way it's been explained to me, so there's two pots of our payments in the government. One of them is specific to paying our debts. And that's like sort of on one computer system. And then everything else is like the benefits that we're giving, like social social safety net. So like Medicaid, Medicare. And they can't really like once they choose, like I'm going to pay off our debt, they can't really choose how they're going to cut spending in the other pocket. And so... Like there wasn't like we can protect Medicare versus um, protecting Social Security or we're going to protect retirement funds versus this. And so there's stuff like that going on where it would have really damaged North Carolina residents. Um, the one one economist did tell me the positive note that had we breached or defaulted on the debt ceiling, 
we might have been okay a little bit on manufacturing because the cost of the U.S. dollar may have gone down, which means more people want to export from North Carolina to other countries. And so manufacturers might have seen a boon. That was like the one like rainbow of sunshine we may have seen out of a really bad situation. Also, stock market would have gone down. Um, there's like a laundry list of things that this would have been really serious. So how did everybody vote? And what what was all at play there? I noticed in one of your stories, you mentioned Club for Growth. And with the... Yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So I'll break down. There's two aspects of this I was watching. Um, I'll start with the house. The house... Um, was really interesting to watch unfold, especially when, like, I have followed Representative Alma Adams my entire career because I started in the triad, which she started in the triad. She's now down in Charlotte, which was a whole gerrymandering redistricting situation. But anyways, um, I knew this one was going to be personal for her because one of the things that was cut was um, there was actually work requirements added to social safety nets like um, Medicare, not Medicare, sorry, the SNAP program. Um, and programs like that. And so I knew statistically there could be issues with people who have lower incomes or um, she talked to me about black women specifically being hurt in this. And I knew those were kind of issues that have really been core to who she is as a representative. So she told me she was struggling right up to the wire of voting on what she was going to do. Ultimately, she voted yes, because it was better to take the consensus of the two parties than to let the entire economy tank um all of our representatives voted yes except for representative dan bishop dan bishop saw this as a betrayal on the part of a speaker mccarthy and representative McHenry because of um basically some concessions he had made to the freedom caucus which is the ultra right wing party of the house and he really wanted to um, get some things into this bill that he didn't get. And so he really is upset and is calling for McCarthy's head on a platter, basically. And I know we've got to wrap up so I can let you know about the Senate vote. <laughs> we'll talk about that after the break. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm News and Observer State Capitol Bureau Chief Don Bond here with our D.C. correspondent, Daniel Battaglia. It's all federal debt ceiling drama on this episode so far. Uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, a little bit more about the House. But let's talk about the, the, the Senate votes um, and then also what's, what's coming up this week. Okay, so with the Senate, um, I was really fascinated by Representative Bishop's vote over in the House because he's part of the Freedom Caucus and they were very upset with House Speaker McCarthy and this bill that he had negotiated with uh, President Biden. And I wondered how that was going to play into Senator Ted Budd, who is a former member of the Freedom Caucus. He also voted no. Um, Senator Tillis, Tom Tillis, um, went with everyone else and voted yes for the bill. Same reason it was better to take this deal than letting the country default on its debts. Um, for Senator Budd, I was really curious, did this have to do with the Freedom Caucus? But then I was looking more at who was directing the no votes. And what came up was Club for Growth, which is a right wing pack that um, they're really into finance. They've been supporting Senator Budd's campaign since the beginning, like when he ran in 2016 for the House. They have always supported him. They gave half a million, almost half a million dollars to him in his Senate campaign. They've pumped millions into the Senate race as a whole. 
this last cycle. Um, and they've really bolstered his campaigns and made sure he has stayed as a political figure in North Carolina. So I have the feeling that played into it, that one of his biggest financial backers is asking for a no vote on this. Um, so that was reflected in my story, just the different aspects of like Freedom Caucus wanting them to vote no, uh, Club for Growth wanting them to vote no, and and how that may have played into Representative Bud's um, no vote. He did put six amendments forward. Only one of them made it to the floor last night. That was to uh, claw back some of the COVID money, which is in the bill, but he wanted even more of that money to be in there, and uh, he got shot down. So what are we looking at at now? Like it's it's Biden's move, right? As people are Biden's move. Yeah. So the bill um, we're listening or we're going to have this posted Monday. The bill has to be signed by Monday or we will not be able to pay our debt. So I'm expecting sometime over the weekend, President Biden will be signing this bill probably before this comes out. We'll see that signed into law. Um, and then I think going forward, we're going to have to be looking at Representative Dan Bishop and where he goes from here. He has gone as far as saying that we need to revoke um, House Speaker McCarthy as House Speaker. And so everyone's really curious, is he going to make that motion? Is it going to be somebody else? Does he have the support to do it? People are really rallying around McCarthy, McHenry, Graves and Biden right now for essentially saving our economy. And so um, there's some talk that it would be suicidal at this point for his career to make that motion. But he is very angry. So um, that's on my list to watch. And I know there is a lot of craziness going on in North Carolina. So tell me what what we need to be paying attention to down there. Yeah, we're at the fun time of session where, I mean, you know, fun. Uh, uh, when there are surprises on the on the floor and committee uh, crossover is, you know, this sort of made up like your one of your bills has to pass it or your bill has to pass one of the chambers for it to be considered. But there's also this committee substitute thing where there's surprises. And we're at that point in the session now because it's already June. And if they are actually done at the end of, of the fiscal year, they're going to cram in a lot of stuff. There's this whole dance every year about are you actually going to be done June 30th? Are you going to be done early? And the budget is like a big thing still, but not the way it was in the past. And there is the option of that they go home 4th of July week and come back. They'll come back later this year, either late summer or in the fall for redistricting anyway. So there's sort of this momentum of, you know, what the Republican supermajority priorities are, you better hurry up and get those out. But if you don't finish it in time, you can, uh, you know, try it again. Um, they've done a lot of the big stuff. There's some um, little stuff left and sort of loose ends. So coming up this week, um, as of what uh, Speaker Moore told us at the end of the week, the sports betting bill have the final House votes. They just have to concur. Um, and after some discussion, if maybe the House would hold it up by adding other gambling stuff, that's not going to happen anymore. Um, so it'll just be up down votes on that. And then that goes to Cooper, who has already indicated um, that he would um, support it overall. Of course, there's, you know, the details and everything, but there doesn't seem to be any any poison pills in, in the bill. Um, and the tax rate is actually higher that the, the Senate wanted than the House, which I thought was interesting because usually the Senate likes lower taxes. But he wants, um, he, you know, Senate Leader Berger, who runs the show over there. Um, wants 18% tax, uh, 
tax where the the house had wanted a lower amount. So it could end up being a, a lot of new tax revenue for the state, depending on on how this pans out. So that's coming up this week. There's the elections bill that was filed um, a few days ago. The Senate version's out. So that's kind of this omnibus of a variety pack of things. Um, so that'll dominate a lot of the conversation this week. Other things that have gone into conference are a bill that I've been covering that would take some powers away theoretically from Cooper, but actually whoever the next governor is. So it's uh, Republicans in the past have wanted to do things as a result of Cooper's uh, COVID response and wanting more concurrence from the rest of the Council of State, which, of course, has all Republicans on it. After 2024, it's going to be different people. So we'll see if it's a Democrat or a Republican in the executive mansion, who the other people on Council of State are. But what this bill that they're working out now between the chambers has is gives more appointment power, not just to the General Assembly picked by the um, Senate leader and the House Speaker, um, but also some Council of State members. Um, and that includes the Ag Commissioner, Insurance Commissioner, and Treasurer, which are all currently Republican held, but that's that's now. And we'll see what happens then. So there's a really fun debate in uh, House rules this past week about the um, the constitutionality of it in the court cases. And that's very wonky, but most of the people who are listening to this are probably are as well. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out with the courts and the Supreme Court and, you know, speaker more equipped that, um, you know, there'll be plenty of work for, for lawyers over this. So, I saw and, that. Yeah, and the building's full of lawyers, so, <laughs> including him and Barger, so... Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, so that's like what we know is, is coming up. There'll definitely be some, some surprises just because it's, uh, it's that time of year. So to quote, um, uh, the Olaf song from, from Frozen, which you and I are probably the only ones that, that know that. So, all right. <laughs> so let's move on to, uh, our picks for headliner of the week. Uh, Danielle, who or what is your headliner? I'm very excited about my headliner because if you know me at all, I'm a Chipotle stan. And uh, this really got buried in Twitter chatter. I'm not sure if it actually made it out into the news world. But part of the uh, debt ceiling bill negotiations was made over Chipotle. Apparently, Kevin McCarthy suddenly was like, let's go get some Chipotle. So... Uh, he and Representative Graves and Representative McHenry walked down to a Chipotle in D.C. And they walked in right when they were announcing, we're out of chips. And House Speaker McCarthy's like, that's not OK. So I don't know why this is my voice for him all of a sudden. He doesn't sound like this at all. Uh, so they marched themselves out of that Chipotle and they walked down to another one and got the chips that House Speaker McCarthy wanted. And I was like, ah, oh, there are people just like us. Because I think if I did a business deal, it would be over Chipotle too. What's your headline of the week? I feel like if that happened in North Carolina, somebody would try to run a bill that would require places to have chips. Because that's, that's right. how laws get passed, folks, sometimes that a lawmaker decides that something happened that they didn't like. So they he, he brought the chips and queso back for reporters the day I wasn't there. Like they had a whole like it was like a canoe full of drinks and chips and queso. And I heard that a tour group came through and took all the drinks away. So like these poor reporters that had been there for like, I don't know how many days camped out, didn't get their water because the tourists took them. I definitely want nachos for for lunch now. So 
My my headliner is uh, people that follow me on Twitter notice that I take pictures of government and nature. Um, and I think it's part of it is I like government buildings and nature architecture, but it's also recognizing the work that people do to um, make things look pretty cool. And so my shout out this week are the gubernatorial grounds workers, because I noticed outside the executive mansion the other day, all of the work that they were doing, hedging, planting, and everything else going on. And uh, it really looks nice. And it's kind of a, a you know, way under the radar uh, job in, in state government. But, uh, but it's nice. And I notice it. And I imagine other people do. And then also a side shout out to Sadie the Dalmatian, one of the first dogs who is technically uh, the, um, the head um, grounds, uh, grounds person's dog. But uh, occasionally I'll see Sadie the Dalmatian out there when I'm, when I'm going by the mansion. So shout out to all the beautification efforts of, of people in government. Um, we do notice it and appreciate it. So that's true. All right. So for um, Don Bond, for myself and Daniel Vitaglia, um, the News and Observer, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.